0: This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest.
1: Now, back to the show. And this is our final segment on Real Presence Radio today. Uh, If you joined us earlier, we visited with Father William Slattery and Jack Holdis talking about Blessed Carlo Acutis and his relics will be available uh, for your viewing at the conference this this, uh, weekend here in Fargo at the Eucharist Conference. We also talked with Mark Holcraft about Real Presence Radio and the pledge drive they had last week. So again, you can continue to support Real Presence Radio by going online at realpresenceradio.com or calling 877 And if you did miss any of this, of course, last hour we had Father Kyle Metzger on talking about how to bring the Eucharist to our youth. Uh, any of this will be available on our podcast at realpresenceradio.com. Check that out later. You can download those in segments or listen to the entire show. Uh, should be up later today. And now we're going to move to a conversation with Father Jim Ermer. Good morning, Father. Good morning, how are you? Thank you for making the drive in. We appreciate Amen. it. Yeah, we're so excited to have you here. To, uh, to, uh, Tom and I were uh, at Unit Training this weekend. We figured this is just an extension of our, our formation weekend because we're going to just sit here and learn. Mm-hmm. So uh, folks, got, get your cup of coffee and sit back. We're going to talk about, for actually for the next four shows that Tom and I host, uh, Father Irmer is going to come on with us. We're going to do some segments, really, on the teachings of the church over the years. And uh, we're going to just jump right in here. Uh, Father, because you've been a priest for 40 years, around around 40 years. Yeah, a little
2: longer. A little well,
1: longer than 40? How many is it? Exactly, 44. 44. Oh, my
2: goodness, 44. All right. What a, what a yeah. blessing.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you for your service to the church. You're welcome. And he actually, my, Father Ermer, I was in seminary with him. Uh, he taught for two years going through the catechism of the Catholic Church, and what a, what a great opportunity. And so we want to bring that to all of you folks who are listening now. Um, so let's start with this. Father, in your pastoral experience, what is people's understanding of the sacraments in general?
2: Well, uh, it's an interesting question because uh, when Bishop Aquila, Archbishop Aquila, now, I guess, uh, started the uh, early confirmation thing, one of the things he asked was parents uh, to go through uh, two prep classes in reconciliation, Eucharist, and confirmation. And so I took that kind of seriously. Uh, And so I've always loved asking people, adults, who are not coming because they want to because they were supposed to be there because their kids are either getting Confirmed or receiving Eucharist or reconciliation. So when you start off and say, Well, what's a sacrament? I've always was kind of intrigued by people stop and they go, uh, It's kind of a, a religious thing, right? <laughs> and I think for a lot of lay people, that's kind of where they would start uh, as they describe that. Well, kind of interesting about that as you kind of go into a, more of a discussion with them about that. They do have a sense it's about religion, it's not kind of a national or natural kind of a thing, it's something that deals with religion. And so when you tell them, "Oh, you know, well, the classic definition was an outward sign is true by Christ to give grace, and then you kind of start walking through that kind of stuff with people. But I know in the seminary when we went through that, the way they started sacramental classes, uh, the first part of it was going with natural signs and symbols. And so I think people, because they don't do a lot of reflection maybe on the world of religion, but they do have wedding rings, they have the American flag, so they're kind of... Uh, Tied in to things that I would call natural science and symbols in life, and saying, What does a wedding ring mean? If you lost that down a sink, you know, washing dishes, you'd be kind of distraught by that very fact. Hopefully, it's in the drain pipe there. And they begin to start, I think, understanding that kind of a thing. But I always remember there's an implicit understanding that people have. I was teaching at St. Anthony's, uh, eighth graders on this. I was trying to get a concept of understanding sacraments. And this one kid I said to, well, what would you think if I took an American flag and there was a car here and I pulled out the oil dipstick and wiped it off? And this kid said, just spontaneously, that means you hate America. I said, What? I said, This is just a red, white, and blue cloth. You know what's the big-? So people do have an implicit understanding. And I think that when you start, start talking about natural symbols or national symbols like Fourth of July celebrations or birthdays, people start, begin to start to think, Well, what is this thing then we call sacraments? They know it deals with the religion, it's not other things in life. And so I think that's kind of where my first impression was So I like talking about sacraments in general, because there's a lot of teachings in that area that I think we're not quite aware of or appreciative of. Well, and, and we have this understanding of exactly what the sacraments are, but in some regards we can become too familiar with them and, and, and uh, not appreciate the uniqueness of each experience when it happens. Right. Any thoughts on that? Well... I think when I was teaching, like uh, Steve said, at Cardaman Seminary and when I got back from my degree in moral theology and taught that course in Christian life and living, uh, I went through the catechism really, very thoroughly on all sorts of levels. And there's one uh, paragraph that really struck me and helped me, I think, deeply understand kind of what is the difference between a sacrament, which is a ritual versus a 4th of July celebration versus a birthday celebration. There's lots of celebrations in life, but what distinguishes, you know, maybe the, the Sacraments, uh, what we call sacraments. And there's this paragraph, 1085, that always struck me. I never heard this anywhere in the seminary before. And i just like to read what it says here, just a little clip from it. it says, God's Christ Paschal Mystery, the death and resurrection, ascension of Christ, is a real event that occurred in our history, but it's unique. All other historical events happen once, and then they pass away. It's all up in the past. But the Paschal Mystery, above Christ by contrast cannot remain only in the past because by his death he destroyed death and all that Christ is all that he did and suffered for all men participates in the divine eternity and sacraments are based on a fundamental understanding of Christ when he died God didn't die his human nature like everyone else's his human earthly existence was over his body and soul separated But in those three days before the resurrection, he's a divine person, not a human person. He's a human being, but not a human person. He's a divine person who holds together in those three days the separated body and soul. And the resurrection is bringing that back in a glorified way. And so when the catechism says all that Christ is, all he did and all that he suffered for men participates in the divine eternity, it's ongoing. And anytime we faithfully recall... That event in Christ's life, the events in Christ's life, they become present in their own. That's the whole basis of sacramental presence. I think a lot of times people don't quite understand. Because Christ is a divine person who then in his resurrection brings back in that human nature, that human history, all that he did and suffered participates in the divine eternity; It never goes away. So when we faithfully recall these seven special things, these seven sacraments, then something truly is becoming present in our own history. I thought that was really uh, quite an understanding for me that goes, wow, okay, let's uh, let's dig into that a little bit more kind of a thing. And so uh, when you dig into the catechism and deal with sacraments, there's another paragraph, uh, 1104, that I think really crystallized that. It says, Christian liturgy not only recalls the events that saved us, but actualizes them, makes them present. The Paschal Mystery of Christ is celebrated, not repeated. It is the celebrations that are that's because when we recall it, it's that actual, for the Eucharist, that death, on, that sacrificial death of Calvary, that's the presence that's really there on our altars, and that's true with all the sacraments. There's a true reality of Christ's presence. His historical kind of thing becomes present in our time. It makes its uh, life known to us. So I always think that's um, that's a fantastic kind of understanding of, uh, of of sacraments that I think we don't quite grab as Catholics. And until I read that, that really touched me in a way that I think other things in sacramental theology didn't teach me when I was in the seminary. And then, uh, you know, the other thing that's also with that in the sacramental part of the catechism, and it's a line that I always like to challenge the young seminarians with I said, you know, um, well, the, the sacred liturgy does not exhaust the entire activity of the church. And then this line is it must be preceded by evangelization faith and conversion, must be preceded. You can't be getting into sacramental theology until you've been told the story of Jesus, you've put your faith in Christ, and now have converted your life and given yourself over to him. Then sacraments begin to be understood. And that's just like any other natural symbol and sign. If you want to be a baseball lover and you never heard about the game at all, someone's got to take you to the game, got to show you what a right fielder is versus a catcher versus a pitcher, what a double play is, what a stolen base is, you know, what caught stealing is about. You grow in that. And that's what the catechism, I think, those things, that fundamental stuff, it's got to be preceded by an evangelization. You've got to be told the story of the gospel. You've got to put your faith in Christ and then become converted. And all of a sudden, the sacrament life begins to become real and takes uh, an active part in who you are in your spiritual life. So.
1: You know, it reminds me of uh, Archbishop Fulton Sheen and his presentation on who is Jesus to you. Is he Lord, liar, or lunatic? And I think that's where we have to start the conversation with the Eucharistic Revival. I can say to somebody, somebody, Jesus is truly present in the Eucharist. But if they don't believe that Jesus is the Lord, and that what he said in Scripture is real, it means nothing to them. Because is he a liar or a lunatic? And I think one of the things that was shared here at Real Presence Radio, we have a, a bus up in Duluth, and it has on there, Jesus, I trust in you. And there were some complaints that came into the city of saying, hey, you know, we don't believe in that message it's it's not a good message because is jesus truly trustworthy there are people you know in the world who don't really you know who's this jesus guy we could say however we know who knows who jesus is okay they know the name but they do do they really know who he is and so they have to without a relationship with jesus this whole jesus being present in the eucharist doesn't mean a whole lot to them And uh, so that's the invitation. We have to, and how do we do that? Well, that's through our own lives, right? We have to be the John Paul II's, the Mother Teresa's to the world and really witnessing our own faith in Jesus truly present in the Eucharist, modeling that to our children, uh, modeling that to the world on how we talk about Jesus, how we go to mass on Sunday, how we receive the Eucharist, uh, modeling that to them. That's the evangelization, bringing the gospel message um, into every human
2: action. And that's a question we have to ask ourselves. And that's a question we're going to be asked. Who do you say that I am? Yeah, as he asked Peter,
1: "Who do you say that I am?" And of course, what we say needs to be inspired by the Holy Spirit, as what Peter's response <laughs> was inspired by the Holy Spirit. But uh, you know, folks, if you're just joining us, we're visiting with Father Jim Irmer. We're talking about the the sacraments. You know, so if somebody asks you, you know, if you ask the question, "What are the sacraments to you? What do you believe in the sacraments? What are the more difficult sacraments for you uh, to explain?" If somebody said to you, and as Father uh, Metzger mentioned before. Uh, the gentleman who was in the Humvee uh, heading into to Iraq, um, you know uh, you know is it true is he really is he really real is, is that bread? Is Jesus really truly present in the, in, in the bread how, how would you respond to that question? Uh, would you punt or would you have an answer? We're going to come back and continue this conversation with Father Irma on the other side of the break. This is real Presence Live. We'll be right back.
0: This is Dr. Ryan Sappo with Lumen Vision in Fargo. Lumen Vision specializes in pediatric eye care and vision therapy. We partner with a national infant eye exam program called Infant C, which provides eye exams for any baby under 12 months old. Many of the major childhood eye problems, such as lazy eyes, eye turns, and ocular diseases, can be detected in this early intervention exam. Infant C eye exams can be scheduled online at www.lumen.vision. Lumen Vision is a proud supporter of babies everywhere and a proud sponsor of Real Presence Radio.
3: My name is Carrie Jans. I'm from Holy Angels Parish in Moose Lake, Minnesota. What I love about Real Presence Radio is that I'm able to start each day by waking up and tuning in and hearing the Word of God, daily Mass, Catholic teaching, and honest, true, real news. Real Presence Radio teaches our faith on the radio every day throughout the entire day in your car on your phone, at your job, wherever you are able to tune in. It is a wonderful way to guide you through passing on the faith to your children, grandchildren, and anyone who has questions that you might be able to tune them in to Real Presence Radio. Thank you for listening to Real Presence Radio. Please support this wonderful radio station, Real Presence Radio, because we need to keep this on the air so that we can continue to pass on the faith and support our Catholic churches.
0: This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show.
1: And this is Real Presence Live. Thank you for joining us for our last segment here this morning. We've been visiting with Father Jim Ermer about the sacraments. Um, and talking about, of course, we're, this is our first of four conversations about the sacraments, kind of leading into and talking about the Eucharistic revival. And if you, the first section we really talked about, um, you know, if you haven't been evangelized, uh, really, the catechesis and the teachings of the church are really are going to be, you know, really not going to understand them unless you realize, recognize that Jesus is the Lord and that his sacrifice on the cross, uh, the Paschal sacrifice, is eternal. It's outside of time. And as John Paul II uh, talks in his his encyclical, it's really at the Mass we kind of tear open the veil between between eternity and the present. And we get to look upon the sacrifice of Christ because that that sacrifice is it's not like it happened. No, it is. It's eternal. It's outside of time. So everything God does is eternal. It is. He's doing these things. It's like, I always hate that phrase what would Jesus do? No, no. He's already doing it. It's not what would he do, the right. would. He's he, like God is eternal act. So, his, when he thinks something, it's going. He wants evangelization, evangelization. He wants relationship. You can better bet he's working on it right now. And so, this work of our redemption is the Lord is doing it. And we talked a little bit about, uh, or on the break too, Father, uh, how this evangelization, uh, w- if you start with catechesis, it, it's just kind of people say, well, okay, that's fine. If you want to believe that, that's great. Tell us talk a little bit about that. What's what's, what's the key to having relationship
2: uh, before, uh, before we really try to teach? Well, I remember when I was in Rome getting my degree in moral theology, We um, had a teacher, and I always that's what I was kind of sharing at the break here, was um, he talked about St. Thomas Aquinas in the 1200s who was uh, leading the Tertians, the, guy, the young people who thought they liked to be Dominicans. And the very first class he taught as he was going through this orientation process with them, was not the scriptures, was not dogmas of the church. It was a course on friendship. And this professor said that, Aquinas had this powerful understanding that friendship invokes obligation. Obligation does not invoke friendship. Once you find yourself in friendship with people, all of a sudden you begin to say, I have to do things. Because of who you know that person is. And I think that was always an interesting concept for me, okay, that's true. Once you fall into that friendship with Christ, there's things that become laws, not because they're an obligation, but it's because what arises of this friendship. I have to be there. I have to be there for him. I have to do this. Not because you've been commanded and demanded of this, but this is what arises out of friendship. And I think uh, that's an important part of the whole sacramental theology there. And so I think the church is right in this drive for evangelization that's got to be done.
1: What makes you think of that? that the words from Christ? If you are my friends, yep. you will do what I command. Right.
2: Exactly. Yep. I've had uh, friends that are, that are not Catholic ask me, you know, I just don't understand this thing about you having to go to Mass. And, uh, well, I, I won't deny there's been times that I had to go to Mass <laughs> in my life. Uh, but there, it's different now that I don't have to go to Mass. It's because of that, that obligation to this friend that I have that okay. I, I choose to. He's depending on me. He, he, he you know, that, that's part of our relationship that we share that time together.
1: Yeah, that's true. So we have seven sacraments in the church, um, and of course, uh, all these seven sacraments. There are some that are maybe a little more difficult for to for people to grasp and understand. Can you tell, talk to us a little bit about those those sacraments and and maybe
2: some of the difficulties people find in understanding these sacraments? Well, I think one of the things that I in my life as a priest I think is kind of the the deep or a teaching of the church, but has a hard time being understood by people. And this is what I call uh, the teaching of, uh, in Latin, it's called ex opere operato. And there's an, another one that's less known, but it's ex opere operantis. And the difference between that is what I call the reality of sacramental grace, that Christ is truly present. And the question, well, how does that come about reality? What's the foundations of that real presence of whatever sacrament? And uh, when the church says it's got to be the correct matter, form, and intention, when those three things are operative, so, for example, I think in, in the Eucharist or baptism, which is commands by Jesus, go forth and baptize all nations, you know, or do this in remembrance of me, that when we use bread and wine, not pretzels and beer, because that's what Christ used, he's the one who the matter is using that correct matter, The words are what he used at the institution of the Last Supper. And, in you know, do this in remembrance of me. This is my body. This is my blood. And the idea is that I have to intend to do what the church does. If those three things are there, you don't have to worry about the reality of grace. Christ is present in this moment, at this time, whether it's in the reconciliation room, whether it's at the baptismal font, or whether it's at the altar of God. He's present because we've used the correct matter, the stuff, the things you can touch, the outward sign. You've done it in his name, by what he told us, and I intend to do that as a priest. But that always kind of gets mixed up with, well, does that mean everything's automatic? You know, In that sense, yeah, sacral, the reality of grace is present. Whether it's fruitful, now that's another question. That's ex opere operantis, And that's another thing. That's by the work of the worker. Ex opere operato, the first one, is by the work being just performed. I did correct matter, correct form, and correct... The right intention, if I'm not open to this, if I put obstacles in the way of this, if I'm not predisposed by the Holy Spirit, that sacrament's going to sit there forever, <laughs> you know, the grace, the reality is not going to be operative, and that's a big thing, I think, in sacrament theology, that oftentimes we don't talk about, removing the obstacles, opening people's minds so that they can really, that grace that's present, the reality of grace, and the fruitfulness become one. That's, a, I think, a tough thing. And the church says that, that, that the reality of grace is not dependent on my, my worthiness or your worthiness as a recipient or a minister. I could have committed a mortal sin as a priest, but if I have the correct manner and form and intention of making Christ present in the midst of this people, he is present. I, by lifestyle, may have done something that becomes an obstacle for others to really have the fruitfulness of that Eucharistic grace to enter into my life and do something for me. I think that's a, a big thing that it often kind of gets confused. People tend to think, well, I, I, if I didn't, if I'm not worthy, if I'm not holy, uh, that's I guess I didn't receive any grace. No, the reality of grace was there. It wasn't fruitful. There's was a lot of obstacles there, dispositions that weren't there, and it's not going to take effect and, and be alive in a person's life. Fruitfulness. Those are two ex opere operato that the reality of grace ex opere operantis. The fruitfulness of grace. Of grace. Those are two big things I think people often mix up and confuse and don't make sense out of.
1: And so just to, to clarify for our listeners, it's the idea that um, the priest, if the priest, by doing, by the work being worked by the priest, the grace is available. Now, whether it's fruitful in your life or not is up to yeah, your disposition. Right. right. And so, you know, it's like I went to mass and I'm not sure if it was a licit or valid mass. Well, right. if if the priest had the correct form, the correct matter, and, and you know, correct he, intention, correct intention, it was, it was it was a valid mass. Now, yeah. was it fruitful in your life? That's up to you. <laughs> that's
2: that's, a, that's up to it if you were open to that. That's one big thing I think Catholics that's worthy of a lot more of a, a little more of a discussion and you can walk through a lot of scenarios to help people understand that kind of thing. The other one that I often think that Catholics kind of mix up a little bit is sacraments and sacramentals and sacrament. Mm. You know, sacraments are instituted by Christ. Sacramentals, like blessing, ashes, or stuff like that, are things instituted by the Church, saying that if this is received with a right disposition, there's a fruitful gift of grace going on here. But it's not the same thing. It's not like it's connected with Christ himself. This is some many things the Church used. So we we mix that up a little bit in Catholic Church, too. (laughs) Yeah, so the sacraments
1: versus the sacramentals, Sacramentals. which are a sign of the sacraments, but not the sacrament themselves. Well, Father, we're going to continue this conversation in future shows. We sure appreciate you coming in. We do have to step away for a preview of the next show, but again, uh, thanks for coming with us and uh, for sharing your wisdom with us. I don't know if it's wisdom, but I I can talk. You shared it, so thank (laughs) you so much. Trez, what's coming up on the next Real Presence Live? Yeah, so on the next Real Presence Live, that's on Tuesday from 9 to 11 a.m. Central. Nick Bedalsky and Melissa Scatio are your hosts, coming to you live from St. James Coffee in Rochester, Minnesota. Emily Luffy will be on to share about a day of reflection, sacraments, joy, and sisterhood. Then Marie Goyle and Marilyn Baker, Baker will talk about what it means to be a secular Carmelite, and will be visiting with bishop chad zielinski the new bishop for the diocese of new ulm all that and more is coming up on the next real prisons live that's on tuesday morning from 9 to 11 a.m central back to you thanks trez appreciate mm-hmm. that and uh, folks uh, we're going to step away here in just a few minutes but so we still have do still have uh, do still have father Ermer in studio. you said you you've been a, a priest for 44 years what is the what give us one of the, your best memories in, in about a minute here uh, of your priesthood over the last
2: 44 years Best memory, boy. Well, lots of memories. I'm yeah, not I don't so know you're you one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think uh, of all the things that in the priesthood, to me, the Sacrament of Reconciliation has been kind of the most interesting one because when people truly are contrite and they seek that forgiveness of the Lord, and uh, I've always tell people, I know sometimes they feel shame-faced because I don't want to talk say this to a fellow human being, and I'm saying, Really what I think always is amazing to me, I know how grave a sin can be, especially if it's really kind of a very serious sin. But someone who has taken that courage to say, I want to be forgiven, you really see in the confession of the sin, that can only be the gift of the Holy Spirit, driving that person to articulate that. And the seriousness of what they want to do is receive the Lord's forgiveness. That to me is kind of one of the most touching things of what the real presence of Christ in sacraments, is, is, is the reconcil- sacrament reconciliation. So I think that one has always struck me as a priest.
1: Kind of like in the prodigal son, his desire, when he decides, I'm going to go back to my father. Whether his intention is pure or not, because I want food, I'm going to return to my father.
2: And the confession happens, and the words get said, and the sins get articulated, and you go like, whoa, that's unbelievable. That's You know the Holy Spirit. That's where you truly meet God, I think, in that sacrament. That's the most real one. For me.
1: Tom, any final thoughts in the last 30 seconds we got for our show here?
2: Well, it's just been a blessing to have you here, Father Ermer. I've learned a lot today, and I've got a few questions for you in the break. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
1: Folks, this has been Real Presence Live. Thank you for sharing your morning with us. Again, these shows are available via podcast at realpresenceradio.com. Uh, hoping to see you at the Eucharistic Conference this weekend um, and share the weekend with you. Again, thank you so much. Say a prayer for us, and uh, God bless you. Have a great day. This has been Real Presence Live.
0: This has been Real
1: Presence Live
0: on the Real Presence Radio Network.